Hello, everyone. My name is James Rampton. Thank you very much for coming this evening. Wow, is all I can say. <laughs> uh, an amazing episode, and we're very lucky and privileged to have four of the key creative team here tonight to talk about this fantastic series with us. So perhaps we could give them a round of applause as they come on stage. Creator Paul Abbott. <laughs> Director Catherine Morshead and the stars Joanna Scanlon and Will Meller. Well, Paul, I've never seen so many great jokes about missing body parts, but um, that's a discussion for later on. <laughs> Tell us about the genesis of this series. What gave you the idea of setting it to against the backdrop of the far right? Well, I think we were looking for, you know, resetting the button on No Offence. And, and when we took a look at the, you know, the original formation of No Offence was imagining the cops who would have to have looked after the families in Shameless. And, <laughs> and you know, turning that mirror around and seeing what the cops would likely be. Uh, you know, we wanted a story that, can, that, can, that is a vessel for our sense of humor. And we usually find the best of those by finding the darkest. Mm. And, you know, looking at the kind of uh, society that, you know, those cops would be looking at, you know, it would be, you know, tormented with racism. And, you know, we, we're, I think we're in a perfect, uh, we're a perfect mouthpiece uh, to kind of handle that very dark, jet black comedy humor that we get out of all kinds of things, but I mean, especially that one that we, are, but we desperately need to look at as a society, but we, we relish looking at as a comedy. <laughs> is, is comedy a good way of approaching these, these frankly, quite difficult subjects? It's, it's the, I mean, the, the, the darker the material we tackle seems to get, the funnier we seem to be allowed to become. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's just, um, we don't shy away from much. No. Is, no. is there anything you wouldn't tackle, or...? We'll find out, but <laughs> so far, you know. <laughs> Joe, um, people absolutely love this series. It's had two highly successful series already on Channel 4. What do you think that has particularly struck a chord with people? I don't know. For me, it's always about the moral centre, mm -hmm. that it's a, it's a moral show in, in an old-fashioned sense about <laughs> policing, that there is, a sen there is right, there is wrong. Um, it's not relativist in... in in the modern way, as it mm -hmm. were. I mean, that's not to say it's not nuanced and that you have to think a lot about how to approach problems, but there's an element of the, you know, the Western in it, that, that there's something about there's a, there's a clear enemy and you've got a moral uh, compass and it's pointing north and how do you get there, you know, yeah. using that compass. And you're Clint Eastwood, but just funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be Clint. I'd so love to be Clint, yeah. Will, what do you think has made this such a popular show? I think um, it's made detectives and police human um, mm -hmm. to a lot, in a lot of people's eyes. Sometimes they talk in a language that other people don't really understand. It's like there's us and them. And I think these people, you can, you can see them walking down the street every day and they, they see them going home to their families. And I think that whole part of the way it's written by the writers and Paul Abbott's created is these are real people. Um, and they speak, they call a spade a spade. And, mm -hmm. it's, and we say things that not other shows say, and we deal with subjects that other shows don't deal with. And I think we've got the perfect platform of being on Channel 4 that we get a chance to, to say the things we do say. And I think the whole point of this show is 
nobody's safe. You never know what's around the corner. Mm. And every viewer goes on the journey with the police and the detectives. They're not privy to information that we're not. So you come along with us mm. and you were surprised and as shocked as we are. And I just, I just love the way the characters deal with certain things. I mean, no one in, in the real world, my, my brother-in-law, his brother was actually one of the advisors who advised Paul on this series. Mm. So he knew about this before I did. He took, <laughs> I was like, I'm in this show. He went, I know, I've been working on it for ages. <laughs> um, and so he made He's sure. He's a policeman, is he? He's a CID, yeah. yeah so he, he, he made sure, I think, that the content was real. And the one thing you don't want is you don't want to bump into a copper or a detective and go, it's not like that. But mm. every time I've met someone, they go, that's exactly what it's like, you know. We haven't got time for P's and Q's. Sometimes we do get it wrong, and sometimes we don't get the bad guy. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, around the officer, you do speak in a certain way. You wouldn't speak if you was in an interview situation. So I think we've, we've humanised detectives and police. That's great. Paul, have you had a lot of feedback from, from real police officers about that? Well, uh, we, we do, and they all seem to love it. You know, lawyers, yeah. judges, cops, and all that. But we've got zero accuracy as a police team. <laughs> and, you know, we, we started with that because, you know, detectives and police officers don't actually speak to each other. So that would have screwed up our entire... Uh, it was a bit like when they said in, on Cracker that the psychologist would never be allowed to interview a suspect on his own. And you go, well, that just kills the show. So, <laughs> so you kill that note and move on to the next. But, but in spite of that, um, they, they find that exactly what Will said, that we bang the, the humanistic nail as well. You know, that we, we, turn, the, you know, we, we turn, it, turn it through a really good prism and we get moral stories and we get uh, a, a sense of humanity out of it. And I think that's what the audience of... You know, we're, we're, we're too funny to be a procedural and too procedural to be a comedy. So we <laughs> sit in that frequency somewhere in between. And people admire us for holding that frequency because mm. it's, it's a very tight one. Mm. Mm. Catherine, you've worked on the, the series for, for a few years now. What, what do you love about working on it? I think what Paul was saying is that it's, it's a combination of both. It's funny and it's dramatic. Mm. And it's... It, the big, the big thing is to keep the tone. And I think so long as we've nailed the tone, then we've got the show. And at that episode particularly, because it has such a sort of sad moment in it. Mm. But it's like we don't dwell on it. We, 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 we spend as much time as we need to, but we also move it on. Um, and I think that's one of the things that people love about the show. Mm. Do you think it's... I, I noticed, in fact, Will mentioned beforehand that there's no funeral scene. It's just that they've got to crack on with the investigation, haven't they? Yes, I think, I mean, I really like that. I, I've never seen anyone die like that on television. Yeah. I mean, not the shooting, but the fact that when, you know, the, it was Paul's idea that the um, ambulance turned the lights out. I've never seen that before. Um, and it's a rather indirect way of dying, admittedly. But, you know, then we have the, the reactions from our cast after that. And then, yes, you continue the story, who killed her? And that is the driving force through all the narrative. Yes. Yeah, it's also the bit as well when you see Deering coming back and she hasn't even got time to compose herself, and then some craziness kicks off, and she, you've got to deal with that. I mean, mm. crime, will, crime doesn't stop for anybody, so you've got to, you haven't got time to feel sorry for yourself, mm. and you've got to just pick yourself up and move on. It's, and and it's, it must be so hard to do that on a daily basis. Yeah. Some, I mean, it's, and I an mean, extraordinary I think moment to black comedy as well, with the, oh, yeah. the bride yeah. losing her finger. Sorry, Joe. Yeah, of course. I think, I think the whole series, you know, you, you, it starts with this huge event, which is that we lose a member of our family, and we can never lose sight of that. But the lesson, if you like, I mean, this is, this is a sort of, um, you know, thematic spoiler alert, but it, is, that, <laughs> is that it's about the fact that it, life is really tough. You lose people, they die. 
and mm. you and you're still alive. Mm. But I think and very what are you going to do with that? Yeah, but very untypical of most dramas. I think we, we because we we killed our we killed our member of cast in the first act, and anybody else would have milked it to the end. I think exactly. we just didn't have time because we had to get the you know one of the main uh, uh, fixtures of this show is teamwork. And mm. the fact that they had to recover their teamwork in order to investigate the person they love, it was just it becomes a professional and social imperative, and um, and it was it was a good thing to have blown it just but, at yeah. the end of the first mm. act. Yeah, I Joe, don't think you see it sorry. coming. No, no. Joe, what does it make you think about real police officers? Do you think you could do that job? <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I can't add up. I would be absolutely useless. No. Um, I mean, I'd like. Everybody would like to think that they could right wrongs. Mm. I think, um, and it's certainly lovely to have the opportunity to pretend and mm. to play it because it does ask. You do ask of yourself. Well, if I were, if I, if I didn't cave in all the time to life's boring stresses, then then I'd be a better person. And I think. Deering is that better person for mm. me. Um, so it's, a, it's an object lesson to yourself about, you know, just rise above it. Mm. Um, look for the, the, the eye on the prize. Is The prize isn't about catching the killer necessarily. It's about doing the right thing. And what is doing the right thing? And how, mm. how do you know that? And I think in ourselves, we do always know what the right thing is. And for lots of very good reasons, we don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> is that sort of higher purpose one reason why Deering really has chimed with people. People really mm. have connected with them, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is that, you know, I think, I think somebody did draw up a slogan or a T-shirt or something saying, when I grow up, I want to be Viv Deer. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, got, she's got more bollocks than most men, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, she says things that a lot of people wish they could say to their boss. She just hasn't got time for her P's and Q's, and I think it's mm. refreshing. Mm. Some of the things she comes out with, it's just... Pizza's cop, that was great. <laughs> yeah. But she, yeah, great what's nights, amazing, great by nights. the way, Joanna plays it, she doesn't over-egg the comedy. She just lets it slip right in there. And it's not like we're setting up gags. It's just there for you to find. And that's, mm. that's what I like. But she's also sort of the good mother. You know, she's, yeah. there's a sense in which there's a maternal, there's a, there's a feminine in there as well as the masculine. And they're, and they're very well balanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's something people uh, can, can trust. They feel yes. they can trust it. Yeah, Catherine, what would you say are the strengths of this cast? I mean, don't oh, worry about embarrassing I mean, people. There's more in the audience. I here, know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell us about them. working with these guys. What, what do you particularly enjoy about that? That it's a team. Mm -hmm. It really is a team. We all work together. We all work um, to make this show, obviously, as good as it can be. There's, there's, and um, they're all, uh, I think the other thing I like about it is that they're all slightly in, you know, they're all distinctive. They're, I mean, Paul has written a group of really fantastic characters. Mm -hmm. So they, they, I mean, they overlap in some ways, but they don't in other ways. And you've got, you know, Deering is not like Dinah. Dinah is not like um, Joy. And then there's, there's um, Miller and there's Spike. And they're all very clear. So when I come to a scene and I think, you know, how are we going to play this? I sort of know they know now, and we were all well-seasoned. But even in the first season, we knew, because they were so well-written in the first mm. instance. Mm. You know, you can tell how your character's going to behave. Then when they do something out of, out of that, that's exciting. But there's always, a, there's always a bedrock of how, you know, Spike will approach it or Deary would approach it or whatever. 
And that's, mm. that's just a lovely thing to start with. Mm. I think in the mix, having Paul Ritter, the way he plays Miller, is just, yeah. he's a mad scientist genius. <laughs> mm. I'm in awe of the man when I watch him on set, what he does. Mm. He, he turns dialogue into <laughs> fluid water. He's unbelievable how he can make it work. And I, get, I look forward to every scene he's in because he's, mm. he's, a, he's, a, he's the most non-human out of all the characters. He's, mm. he's a mad scientist genius who, you know, you just don't know where his brain is, but he always comes up with the goods. He's mm. incredible performer. I think he's just mm. a genius. So and it's been there have been fantastic guests this yeah. year. Oh, this series got well. some great new characters. You know, the guests have been terrific actors. I've yeah, loved. Neil Maskell. Yeah, Neil Maskell and no, uh, Lisa. He's scary, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's very, oh, he's he's in that front. Yeah. I've loved all the scenes with them. They've just been so exciting. Tatch mm. Ballady yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, fantastic yeah. scene mm -hmm. with you on the great, yeah. No, yeah. I've got no leg. <laughs> you know, to be honest, that one of the blokes actually nearly drowned when we were shooting. Yeah, because <laughs> he was going, Leave him! But he actually didn't come back up. <laughs> it was the, and it was, it was the beast from the east. We had to wait for the ice to thaw. You know, it was pissing, freezing, yeah. and he was upside down, this poor bog. And they were going, It's all right, he'll come in a minute, in a minute, in a minute. In a minute. I thought we get wouldn't him, get him. Him. <laughs> He wasn't coming back up. That lake was frozen over when we arrived. It was absolutely Baltic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think my talent is I made it look warm. It's on my CV, I make scenes look warm. Yeah. <laughs> that bit Joy got shot, we were late on the floor there for hours. We had water yeah. bottles and everything, it was freezing. <laughs> we're grafters, you know, was that? True, yeah. <laughs> Paul, I was chatting to, to Will beforehand and he said it's almost like you have a crystal ball with the, the subjects that you choose. I mean, we've heard distressing news from... Sweden today, that there's a far-right party that may be going for power. How, how do you choose these subjects? Are they just things that come... I to plan you? the public events first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've just uh, seemed to hit, hit the zeitgeist quite quite a few times. And But I think with this kind of topic, it's never, ever going to go away. It's, you know, for as long as it's part of our five-a-day uh, news feed, uh, then racism, you're not going to go wrong on a story with that. It, there will always be a, an event. I don't mean to pipe your publicity, but I mean, it, it vindicates you when it's still present in the news, still a worry. And, and we're tackling it through a prism of power and abuse of power. Uh, uh, so it's, it's completely different to the way we've approached the storylines before, but it, it never goes away and it will always be a, uh, you know, if you handle it well as a dramatist, I think it will always be a good fuel bag for you. I think what's really prescient is about how it's hijacking, how the far right hijacking the democratic process. Yes. So here we've got a mayoral election as that Mm. The theme as the actual structure for the democracy, but it's not that these, this is in opposition or it's uh, through terrorism. It's mm. it's actually within the voting yes. yeah, structures, yeah. and I think that's I think that's, that's been proved today. So that's what's happened in other series before, whereas you think, oh, I've seen this storyline before, and what Paul and his team do is they flip it on your head, and it's and it's your own idea of what it's going to be, and it's not. There was a storyline. Remember, there was a there's a guy, there's an Asian guy who uh, killed his. His, his partner, and he said, "Oh, we've seen this before." It's and it was just, it was just the fact that he wanted money. And remember, do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwan played it. Series one. Yes, yeah, series yeah. one. <coughs> and it just plays against what you think it's going to be. It catches you out as a viewer, and that's. Mm. You, I think as long as you're always tested as a viewer, it keeps you questioning. And also the pace of this show, it doesn't wait for nobody. My mum mm. says, "I have to watch it twice sometimes." <laughs> well, that's yeah. not a bad thing because you know <laughs> what? There's nothing worse than being repetitive. Just keep repeating, and repeating, mm. just in case you miss it. We're going to repeat this because that's just drags on. Mm -hmm. The pace of it just whacks along. Yeah. 
Catherine, some really impressive set pieces in that episode. What was the most challenging for you? Um, probably George's death, actually. Yeah. yeah. Morbid. Yeah. How long did that take to film all that then? Well, it the probably would have been quicker if we, as uh, Will mentioned, we hadn't had such shit weather. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we started off day one with Storm Caroline, which I'm going to blame on someone in the audience here. Um, <laughs> and it didn't really get better, did it? Mm. I mean, we had snow, we had ice, we had rain, we had a tornado, we had everything. So it took about four or five days. In fact, it, yeah. it took about a month because we had to do things. We did have to go back. At the very yeah. end. Yes, we did. Yeah, we it took to longer back. than it did, yeah. probably two, two months. To we were shooting the first scene on sequence. day one, and we, I was shooting a bit of the first scene on the last day. Wow. <laughs> Six yeah. months later. Gosh. And the whole town hall meeting, I mean, that's a big set. Yeah, that's a big set. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was there for three days, wasn't it? That's yeah, we were. They were great. Well, I think, I, you know, that's uh, it's thanks to Channel 4 that, that they will come back and say, let's, let's have the opportunity to reshoot, yeah. to look at things again, to, to adjust things. You can't, you can't have something as dense as this without being able to look, have a moment to look at it, look back at it and mm. say, well, you might need to uh, adjust that a little bit. And I, I mean, certainly for us as, as actors, I think it's so, it's so good to think there is another place, not necessarily to get your performance better, but to know that there's a stopgap and you're not stuck mm. uh, with, a bit, uh, with a lump of emotion that doesn't feel or mm. sit right. It's mm. nice to have a channel that supports the show. And, full, and, and, you know, and you know, they, they've been behind us from the start. And, mm. Yeah. And, this is know. a show that eats story as well. You need the, yeah. the narrative is so busy. Yeah. Um, and, you, it, it's, it, 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 and as Will says, we, we run it at a real pace. So um, sometimes we can come up a bit short. So it's really, really useful to have that opportunity to look at it as a whole and then see why well, I think we're a bit short here and we can... Yeah, and with a up. privilege of, of yeah. hindsight, you get to put not just put some things more right than they ought to have been, but you spot other opportunities yeah. just to give the whole piece a different a IQ yeah. and a different lift. And, and Channel 4 have been behind us when we... It's one thing to reshoot stuff that doesn't work. It's another thing to give you the latitude to when you've spotted that you, there is more there is more reward to be had out of this yeah. sequence if we just shoot this tiny other bit of a scene. Mm. And yeah. A lot of people just say, no, 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 you've had your money, you that's it. it, you've yeah. had your chance. Mm. And we did, we got to shoot a few, um, what seemed like tiny hinges that became enormous. They just lifted uh, Enormously over the influential part, yeah. on the IQ of the whole piece, didn't they? Mm. Interesting. The thing mm. about pace as well is when you are whacking on at such a pace that when there is a still moment, <coughs> you really feel it. Yeah, the impact. You really feel it, and, and it magnifies it, and I think that's what's vital. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. Paul, uh, Catherine said it eats plot, this, <laughs> this series. I mean, I hope it runs for 10 years. Do you feel like you love the character so much that you've got loads of new places to take them? Oh, completely, yeah. And when, 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 when you know, it's got a really high narrative metabolism, and um, we deliberately designed it like that because that's kind of the speed at which police have to accept their load. Mm -hmm. And it's just funnier when people are busy and good at their jobs. And um, <laughs> I don't think we'll run out of stories for this because it's just, uh, uh, you know, you just have to read the papers every day to find your baseline. And yeah. we're not going for sensational stories. They're the stories that give us the longevity to tell our jet black comedy version of any headline you care to present us with. <laughs> yeah. uh, looking forward to the future, I mean, you'd be happy to with Deering for a while yet? Oh, I hope so. I really hope so, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I, want to, I want to see what happens as, as 
as power changes, you know, as mm. as people come as in, as in real life, people get older, people get um, into their maturity, and and, and fetus see what cops happens. come in and take over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And fetus cops rule the roost. Yeah. And there's a big storyline about her marrying identical twins just to keep us busy for the <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting a gold clock, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mormons. <laughs> Would anyone in the audience like to ask a question of this lovely panel? That there is um, a microphone circulating. Yes, gentleman there. Hello, this is a question for Paul. Um, channel 4 is really good at portraying working class stories on the channel, but a, a survey last month showed that it had just 9% of its employees that were working class. Do you think that Channel 4 has a certain class prejudice? Um, what's the cause? And if there is one, what's the solution? With, uh, uh, I, I don't know what that... 9% uh, uh, working class within their, within their backroom. Uh, but by definition of working at Channel 4, they're no longer working class. And I, think <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know how you count them up in the end, but um, from working class beginnings, I think that's, I guess... I guess uh, I think they've they've always been it's like as it's as open as any other organisation to talent and I think um, I don't know whether you, I don't know how you fish for more working class because you've got to go through the universities and colleges to kind of go to recruitment you can't do it in fish and chip shops because you get a big application but you wouldn't get a high uptake. Um, I think that you know your job is to. I don't know. I think, I think it's your job if you're working class to stick out like a sore thumb in the in the most shining sense. And when you when you get to somewhere like Channel Four, if you get a look in at any of these uh, organisations, it all seems so far away. If you're sitting in a a comp down the back of Burnley, I mean, like, to get a job in in the TV industry just seems so far away. And I, of course, I got through it. Nine percent of people at Channel Four got through it, and um, you employ me, and I'm nine percent is quite high. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you don't make higher education free, then yeah. um, that's got already already there's a limit. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't make television without some knowledge about how to approach making television, mm. and that's mm. usually in the form of education. So that that I think is I think it relates myself to education. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Did the gentleman in the middle have a question? That'd be a good question. Uh, Paul, I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about your process, please, how you go about breaking the story and putting the, putting the scripts together. And... Um, breaking a story, I mean, uh, that's, that a breaking a story is, is normally done in a room once we're, we're all together, we're in a, um, a writer's room, uh, uh, orbit where we'll have you know several stories each to pitch, and and the story that has the most impact across the board for uh, um, that shows some germination for story to for, for future stuff for for developmental stories from it. So you've got a core story, your spinal story. Um, you, we kind of negotiate over weeks and months, and Paul Tomlin. Uh, was fantastic this year at, at shaping our central story. Um, once you're then into separate episodes, you have to make... It's a bit like that's the title of an album, your central. We're going to do the far right is the title of the album. 
and then each episode <laughs> has its own single title. And, and so you've got, you've got stories of the week that give that episode a different complexion, but you're attending to your, this kind of totem pole that you've set up. And, and the, the way we break stories is just by talking stuff to death. I mean, it's not done on one sheet of paper. It's we talk stuff to death until something clicks. And it doesn't have to be everybody in the room, but if enough people in the room kind of stick their hands up and go, wow, that, I found that sexy. That's, that's a really good story. Then that's the one we'll go for. And, how um, many would you, of you would sit in the room and, and how long for? Um, um, uh, sometimes a week at a time and we'll do it residentially. Wow. And so you talk to each other and you talk, you talk the topic and the subject matter to death. So that when you go off to your separate garrets and you're writing your stuff, you've actually, you've, you know, story conferences that run like dental appointments. And, you know, you've got four hours in the morning, four hours in the <laughs> afternoon. I mean, they're fine, but all the questions you've got occur at midnight and <laughs> breakfast the next day. And so this way, they get to talk things for, you know, uh, talk things around for um, a three or four day cycle. And so it's a different level of investigative depth mm. that, that, that you come out of it with. And, uh, and you, you may ask silly questions towards the end, but nothing silly by the time you've got to Friday, because everything is valuable. You're going off to write your episodes singly, <laughs> and so you clamor for all the collective information you could have, uh, that, you've, that you've all scored in the week. But it's so worth it, because the richness of the story is, <clears throat> is evident on the screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Great. Any, yes, gentlemen here. Yes, um, they're just passing you a <coughs> mic. Thank you. Um, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough week for um, British television viewers. I don't know. Uh, we've got this death now here from uh, Joy, um, political assassination, and big cast members dying. We've all just watched um, spoilers for anyone. Um, the Bodyguard. Um, did you um, see any of this coming? You talked about Zeitgeist before, but this seems to be quite a is there something in the air? No, we didn't see it coming. We didn't know when stuff was being transmitted. We, weren't, we didn't know when we were being transmitted until a few days ago. Um, uh, no, no, it's just it's, there's something in the air. And it's, I love it when that happens. Because um, you know, television is so, so well planned. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's kind of a year later when something feels, still feels like the zeitgeist. You know, you've, yeah. you've hit you've hit a, a, a hot kernel. Are you all prepared to be giving uh, hugs to members of the public who need them this week? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be giving fringes away. <laughs> <laughs> Little artificial fringes. <laughs> I've shot a fringe off. <laughs> Don't put that in your news story. That's a spoiler. Yeah. Yes, a gentleman there. <laughs> um, thank you very much for a really great uh, piece of television. It sort of brought back memories of when I was a teenager watching stuff like Hill Street Blues and MASH. My question to you, both Paul and Catherine is, is what sh shows influenced you, you know, over the years? I mean, what would you say are the big influences on this show? Um, well, Shameless influenced me. I mean, I worked on it. Um, <coughs> Paul's writing. The style comes from Paul, really. The way he writes, I sort of picked up on. Um, and the way he talks, as you've seen, it's quick, 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 quick. Um, also, uh, I think... It's it's the, it's the combination of the of of the way he can 
um, sort of mesh, the drama and the comedy. So you have these dramatic moments and you have the realism, but it's so funny at the same time. And um, that is certainly one of the big things that I think he does brilliantly. And I think the influences for this show were, were it was quite difficult because, it, you know, we wanted it to appeal to a crime-addicted audience, and that's, uh, that's why it had to work well as a procedural, despite the fact that what we wanted really was the jet black comedy bit. Um, we had to earn our stripes on the procedure. It was, really is a bit like writing two shells at once. And, um, um, but, but I didn't use many shells as reference because I knew we hadn't seen anything quite like it. And it, that only means by two millimeter, you, know, it's not, you don't have to go diametrically opposite you know, it's to, to, to want to be different. But just to tilt it by two millimeters and get away with it, um, I hadn't seen that much. I hadn't seen any comedy cop stuff that worked for me before. Uh, so we just, uh, you, you know, you have to sit there and just imagine a bubble before it, you have to imagine this little world before it exists and to see whether you could make Viv storming into the office looking like R2-D2, um, you know, uh, whether you make that funny or whether you, <laughs> make, you have to wait for the, uh, you know, the complications of the political strata to be funny, it's all, um, it's just it, like it was two fun, shows, very right. fun building it. It is like two shows. It's exactly mm. like two shows. In the playing, I think, um, I, I don't know about you, Will, because you're much younger than me, but I, I grew up on a lot of plays for today where they, they did combine, very often, great, great writers combined tragedy, poignancy, and comedy. And so I, I, see, I knew it was possible. I knew I'd seen it done many times. And in the British tradition, particularly in Northern tradition. Um, so I knew it was possible, but it's still really hard um, not underselling one side or the other side, mm. uh, you know, on a daily basis. Just play it straight and let the script speak. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just the only way I do. It's just a way, you know, I've always thought the best way to get any comedy out of anything. If it's written, if it's written in there, don't look for it. It'll mm. find its way out if you just play it straight and play your character. Mm. Mm. I think as you were saying earlier, Will, too, with the comedy side of it, it's like the jokes just come. We don't labour any of it. It's almost like those old sort of 1940s films where you, know, you had a gag, you got one, you didn't get the next one, you never mind because another one comes. Yeah, yeah. It, it really just, they just flow through. We don't make a big deal of it because the moment you do that, it sort of can veer off into pantomime and then you're a bit dead in the water, frankly. Mm -hmm. It's subject to the viewer as well because some viewers are going to find certain things funny, hilarious, shocking. They're all, you can't cater to <clears> each individual. you just got to let it go. Mm. and let people find what they find, pick the balls mm. out of it themselves. Mm. Time for one more question. Yes. Um, this is for Joanna. Um, Joanna, you're delivering really stunning artistic um, creations at the moment with this and Pincushion, which I worked on. Very different, deep, layered, complex characters. Do you think um, that things have changed because are people finally catching up to you and putting you in the centre of the frame? Or do you think it's because things have changed because there's been so much conversation around that there needs to be more space for deep, complex female characters? Can you talk a little bit about how it feels because you've been doing this for a long time and you've watched things ebb and flow? I don't I mean, who can say? I do not know. It is a cult, there's a cultural space, isn't there, which seems to be changing. Um, and I'm very lucky. Uh, you know, the day that I received the script uh, via my agent to, to audition for this role, and I read this chunk, this incredible <laughs> monologue that, that Deering 
originally started with, which was cut, never appeared in the actual uh, end result, I thought, whew, that is something else. And um, I know that Martin, you know, said very early on to me, um, you, you'll be playing Paul Abbott in a dress. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, um, you know, in a bit of that tradition of, you know, Tennessee Williams was talking often about homosexuality, but through the, through the, the female form and the female psychology. I don't know whether there's something of that going on that um, is a kind of, you know, almost interlopers within characters and, and so on. But I, I, I'm lucky. Uh, I got very lucky with this part, really lucky. And I don't think there are any other... I've not seen any other sort of, you know, fat middle-aged women playing leading roles in, in as, particularly as detectives, because a lot of those denoters usually go in a different direction. It becomes about being, um, you know, nice or warm or evil or whatever. And, and here she's complex. Mm. And, mm. and that psychology is you know, is given to her um, by this production, by Channel 4, by Paul writing it in the first place, by the whole team supporting that. And I think there is a statement in there that is, is not just... Um, it, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's a statement about diversity, actually, but it happens to be in that direction, and I'm very lucky to be the one who's inhabiting it for this moment, long may it last. Thank you. And final, yes. The music is so distinctive. It's such a very different palette of music. And it seems to work so brilliantly where you've got poignancy and drama and comedy. And it never lays it on with a trowel. It never tells me how to feel. But yet it seems to be a really distinctive part of what I relish about the series. Do you have anything to say about your music choices? Um, no, I, th I, th I think, you know, our, our composer, Vince, is just... Uh, uh, you know, he's, he's done three, three years on this now, and like in, in the same way that we work, in, that our writing matures, uh, his, his uh, choices mature into, I mean, for our title, um, they mature into something really special, exactly what you're saying. You're, you're, you're always looking around the corner for where it went, not hearing it coming in the first place. It's a beautiful, um, really... Uh, Emotionally curated, as it's meant to be, uh, uh, asset to the to the whole production. But I've, he'll I be think, delighted. I think it's stunning. Yeah, he'll be delighted that you said that. Yes. Because, um, <laughs> he is amazing, and he takes a lot of time over it. Mm -hmm. And um, and again, like us, he's matured with the show. Um, but the key is, as you said, not to lead us. But you do have to mark the emotional moments. You do. You don't want to stamp on the comedy either. Um, and I think he's got absolutely right balance. And I think this score for this series is one of the best he's ever done. Excellent. Um, well, could I just underline um, what was said before, that please no one tweet the spoiler about joy, because that will bring no joy to <laughs> viewers and uh, readers anywhere. But um, before we all go for our pint of surgical spirit, could I say a massive thank you <laughs> to this wonderful panel, to Paul, to Catherine, to Joe, and to Will. Thank you.